What is up, you guys, and welcome back to the Raising the Bar podcast. We are your hosts, Emily and Dawson, and today we're tackling a few questions that we actually got sent over from one of our listeners. Emily, do you want to start us off with our first question? Yeah, um, so this is actually a really close friend of mine, um, and so um, just to give some background, um, like a lot of these questions that they asked, um, like I have some personal experience with some of these things because like I used to all, like also struggle with an eating disorder and like a lot of mental health issues. So um, like, I guess I figured like, maybe we should just make an entire podcast where we discuss all of these things because they're like really in depth and like really um, like deep things where like they need more context and details. So yeah. yeah. I also um, think like they are questions that they are, I think a lot of people do some have some tie to them or can relate to them on some level, just depending on where you are in life. And again, like you're not going to relate to every question, but you might find something inside here that does benefit you in some way, shape or form. So last thing here before I let, I stop interrupting you. Um, if you guys have any questions or want to discuss a certain topic, feel free to reach out because we are more than happy to dive deep on them and try and help you out. That's what we're here for. Yeah. Um, okay. So um, one of their questions was, how do I stay consistent with my goals, uh, whatever they may be, um, like healthy ones to better my life? Um, so, yeah. Um, so then I kind of took it a step further and I said, like, what are your goals? And um, they said, like, basically that they want to gain muscle to, they said, um, gain muscle to maximize the potential of my big body. Um, they don't want to deal with fat shaming at the gym. Um, and, um, or also from like people in their life, like their family or even strangers, um, you know, probably like just about what they're eating, how they're exercising, what they look like, um, all of that stuff. And they're already self-conscious to begin with. Um, and people in this world can be very mean depending on who, you know, you may be around. So these are very, very real things. And um, I think it's really important to talk about. So um, at least I would say that um, it's really important to have a very clear and strong, like, what are your whys? Like, what, like, why do you want to build muscle? Like, why, why do you want to get stronger? Um, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, what are your goals? And then like, figure out like, why does it matter to you? And like, it's really important that you do it for you and for the right reasons, hopefully not to get other people to stop tormenting you about your weight, because like, that's almost acting out of like self-hatred, you know, because um, like, remember that regardless of what you look like, regardless of your health status, remember like you don't owe anyone anything. You don't owe people your appearance. You don't owe people health even. You owe yourself, you know, the best possible chance to get better. And um, yeah, everyone has different set points. Everyone is different. And, you know, really you just have to do what you have to do to get healthy, what, you know, mentally and physically, but do it for yourself. Um, and, you know, make sure it's for the right reasons. Um, 
and yeah, like just set really small, realistic goals and, um, have a way to like, keep track of your progress too. Like that's really important is setting goals, but where you can like keep track of your progress in some way. And no, I don't mean by weighing yourself. I mean, by like, I'm going to go to the gym this many times a week, you know, two or three times a week. Um, what exercises are you going to do? Like go, go in with a plan. Um, and you know, maybe, or commit to eating a certain number of meals a day. And then maybe in those meals commit to, um, you know, if you're not comfortable with tracking calories and macros fully, because for some people that may, um, you know, if they're not recovered, like for some people that may bring about like something triggering or like urges or something or obsessive thinking. So what I say is, you know, shoot for a protein goal and make sure that you hit it in each of your meals that you can commit to, I don't know, commit to four to five meals or three, if you're just starting out trying to be consistent um, and just make sure you're getting protein and nutrients in general and balanced meals. To add on there, um, I think playing off of, I don't think counting macros is for everyone, just from like a mindset and mental health standpoint, as well as just like for some people it just doesn't mesh well. Um, when it comes to like dialing in your nutrition without tracking macros, I almost go towards a more visual like a more visual reference in terms of just being more mindful of what you are putting on your plate in terms of portion sizes, as well as just like what your main focus is on. Um, I know like throughout most education systems, like you're going to see like the my plate standard with like your protein, like your fruits and veggies, like your grains, your like a little glass of milk on the side. Kind of this is where that's going to come into play here is you want to have not so much in like the size of the plate as much as you are thinking about like how much of each you're having and like the variety you're having on your plate. Like in this case, like you sit down with a meal, you want to like start, start the plate is going to be a protein, whether that is a animal product, a vegan or vegetarian product, you want the start of your plate to be that protein. The first thing you like look at, then move into like more of like the starches, your grains, like your fruits and veggies, like what else are you going to have to accompany this to kind of make it more of like this well-balanced meal on top of like your fats, like oils, dressings, whatever you want to use there. So while you're not tracking what you're eating, again, like you're just being mindful of how much you're like, not how much, but just like the amount you're getting, I guess you, you will like throughout your day. Like, again, like you're not going to be measuring out like 50 grams of like chicken here, like 90 grams of tofu here. Like, no, you're like, you're having a portion here. You're having a portion here. You're having a portion here, like evenly throughout your day. That's a huge step. And again, like you're not measuring or you're not tracking macros, but you're just being more mindful of you are consuming more like protein in this case. Um, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Um, and like, so um, they actually told me cause they're vegan. So they were saying that um, it's kind of difficult to get a lot of protein as a vegan um, like, and affordably as well without like, you know, fancy products and everything like that. Like, um, I think they rely on a lot of things like beans and, um, that's beans are great. Like I love beans, but that's just not super high in protein. Like I was, I even sent them a can of lentils and I said, like, this only has 15 grams of protein in here. Um, that is not enough. Like if you're trying to eat, say, um, 170 grams of protein a day, they're like six feet tall. So like you know, they should not be eating like 80 grams of protein a day or something like that. Um, so, you know, 
yeah, beans are great. Like, yes, include them, but maybe do like some beans and then throw in some tofu as well. Um, no, exactly what Emily just said there. Like, use them as like an addition to your plate. Don't have them as like, you can have them as your main star, but again, they should be an addition to your main heavy hitter, if you will. Yeah, like say you're making like bean tacos, for example, or like a bean burrito, add some tofu to that. Like just some crumbled up tofu and saute it with maybe a little bit of like salsa, some like oil and like different spices, and then just mix that with the beans. And there you go. You've got a much higher protein uh, meal. So uh, when it comes to like being cost effective, um, so I, again, like, I don't know this person, this is um, one of Emily's friends, but I don't know if you have a Trader Joe's near you. I don't think if you have a Trader Oh, I'm gonna. I know. Trader Joe's. If if anyone from Trader Joe's is ever listening to this, like, have more locations, please, please. Yes. Um. Okay. I was gonna say because like Trader Joe's, like, I have a pack of tofu that is um, I think it's a two like one ninety nine per pack, which that can go a long way. However, at most at most standard grocery stores, you're gonna have like the um Bob's Red Mill TVP, which again, like I've talked about on the podcast before, it is dehydrated like soy protein, dehydrated, defatted soy protein. I think a bag of it's like five something, if I'm correct. But like with that, you can make that last like a week on end, a week or more, yeah. depending on how much like what you're using it with. So it's like, yes, up front it's a bit pricey. However, stretch it across a week and that's less than a dollar a day, if you will. So I actually stuff told like that. Yeah, I actually sent them a picture of the TVP because I have it a lot too. And I'm like, this stuff will help you (laughs) like to hit your protein goal. And it's um, like a little bit goes a long way because like it's literally dehydrated. So then when you mix it with water, it like expands a lot. So you really don't need a whole lot to reach your protein goal for like that meal. You know what I mean? So. Oh my God. Yeah. So that's a great affordable option. Um, Again, like. I know like when like money comes into the equation, it does get a bit like tighter and which I totally get, like, I totally understand that. So that's when like, use like a combination here. So like, as we mentioned before, like using beans in addition to like tofu or something, it's gonna make like that pricier tofu last a bit longer because you're using like half as much tofu as you normally would because you're supplementing like that intake with your beans, I guess. Yeah, and just like little, little swaps you can do like, um having instead of like normal pasta, you can have like that, um, like protein Barilla protein plus pasta or like a lentil based pasta or like a chickpea pasta, because, um, you know, that will help you to, um, you know, increase your protein a little bit there too. So just like making little swaps here and there, like it will help you to increase your protein in a day as well. Like real fast on last thing on this topic, like the the pasta swap again, like the, like your legume pasta is going to be a bit pricier so use half the box like if you're going to meal prep a bunch of pasta like use half like your normal wheat pasta and then half your legume pasta so you're getting a little protein bump in there but you're also using half as much as you normally would so you can kind of stretch it out across multiple like batches if you will so yeah and also um just another thing in regards to um like affordability um frozen but you can you know buy big batches of frozen fruits and veggies um, because like, yes, it might seem like, I guess a lot if you're buying like a huge bag and depending on where you're buying it, but it's going to last you a lot longer than fresh because well, it's frozen and um, you know, you can buy a lot at a time too. So. 
I got a five pound bag of frozen chopped bell peppers at my local grocery store for like three bucks. That's amazing. You can eat on that for like four weeks. So like, y'all like check out the freezer aisle, hit up the bulk sections with this shit. Like I promise you, like you can stretch this stuff a long way. It takes me, you have to get crafty with it at times, but like it's possible. We promise you can make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Just be creative and yeah. Um, so I think, uh, oh, what about being consistent with like, um, like training, um, or so I don't think that they're like, they don't regularly train. Um, I think, um, from my understanding, like they really have a lack of energy, possibly some of it is because they're on, I think like medic, different medications, like psychiatric medications, um, And, you know, a symptom of depression, I mean, I experienced this like majorly as a teenager is just like lethargy, um, just being very complacent and just like, you feel like there's this like cloud that's constantly like looming over you and following you and like, it doesn't go away. Um, So like, when you feel like that, how the heck do you will yourself to go to the gym? Cause I'm thinking back to like how I felt when I was like, I don't know, like 15. I would, I don't think I would have made it to the gym. I would have driven to like some supermarket and started like stuffing my face instead, because that's how I coped with my problems. And, um, I think they're in that same situation or just struggling to get out of bed. Like, how do you then get yourself to the gym? And then you're afraid that people are going to judge you. And you see people there who look like they've been lifting for like their whole life. And you compare yourself to them and you try to like avoid your reflection in the mirror like how the heck do you combat that you know okay so um oh so how do I want to remember this so I'm going to tackle the first part about like going to the gym and like dealing with like the stigma around it if you will as well as like kind of like so I know you mentioned like in their question it was about not being like how to avoid being fat shamed at the gym and then how you just mentioned there like avoiding like looking at the mirrors and everything so it's going to be a very mental it's going to be very mental like a mental battle here um one thing i will say no one is paying attention at the gym when like when people are at the gym they're in their own place like they're doing their own thing either by themselves with other people they're around and lifting with like they don't care i promise you that um so that's just one thing and i know like for some people that doesn't give much but just know that like no one's truly paying attention. Um, I just want to say, comes to, oh, sorry. Can I just say one thing real quick about that is depending oh God, on yeah. the gym you go to, sometimes there are some uh, rude older people, like where it's the always the old people, people too. Yeah, I'll say it. People. It's always the old people too. I know. It's like the grandpas will just sit on the one machine for like half an hour and they won't let you use it because they're like resting or whatever and i'm sorry i know i sound like an asshole here but it never fails it never fails yeah like there's always going to be those people okay and um i when i like started first started lifting like i mean i looked like i did not belong in the gym like i looked sick and scrawny like i should i've never touched a weight in my life um even after several months into lifting so and, um, you know, I did get some comments from people like I did. There are, depending on the gym you go to, some people don't have a filter 
And um, so you, you, you might be fat shamed. You might, I was told I looked like a runner and that I shouldn't be lifting weights. I was told that my form was wrong, even though I didn't have a coach, I didn't have a trainer, couldn't afford anything. And I was trying to teach myself how to do it. So I'm like, I know it's wrong. I'm trying to like practice to get till I get it right. You know, and just lots of unsolicited comments. It was at like a YMCA. So it was like, you know, people's moms, like, I don't know. It was just like obnoxious people. Like, I'm not going to lie. They were obnoxious people. Um, so, you know, you are, you may run into people like that, depending on the gym. Um, you just have to, I didn't, I didn't train with earphones, earbuds or anything or headphones, but if you've got those, just put them in, put your music on. People will be less likely to talk to you. If you look like you're very in the zone and engaged in what you're doing. Um, yeah. People don't want to generally don't want to bother you if you do that. So with that, like kind of playing off of that when it comes, but all shifting gears a little bit when it comes into like handling like body image and looking at like mirrors and everything, wear a hoodie, wear baggy clothing, like wear like big oversized, like baggy clothing. Cause then like, it's going to be like, it's almost like, almost like a mask, but it does kind of give you like, kind of like a sense of security. Like you're hanging around your house, like you have your baggy clothes on, you'll feel nice and comfortable. Go to the gym, same thing. You're going to be kind of in more comfortable clothing. You're not going to be like in a super like tight, like spandex, like exercise wear, if you will. And it can kind of, again, like it's going to mitigate, I guess like that overall feeling of insecurity, at least, at least that's something that like helped me in the past is again, like wearing some baggier stuff to the point where I truly wasn't able to like see myself in the mirror. Because again, like the clothes are kind of covering you up here. And again, that's also going to kind of mitigate any comments from anyone else because they can't comment on something they can't see. That's a really good one. Yeah, I actually didn't think of that, but that's really good. Um, uh, again, like with that, real fast, headphones in, hoodie up, you're, you'll be good. I promise you. Yeah. Also, it helps to just like the way that you carry yourself. Like if you just carry yourself with like this, you know, I get it. If you're not confident, that's okay. But just like, even if you don't know what you're doing, just try to pretend like you do, even if you don't, that's okay. Because, you know, um, just have like a tiny bit of that, like fake, I guess, fake confidence, I guess, because then people will be less likely to, like, if you don't look like you're lost, people are not going to try to tell you where you're going, where to go, if that makes sense. Even if you are lost, that's okay. We all, trust me, we've all been there. Um, I have, <laughs> and um, that's okay. So I think a huge part there that you kind of just touched on is we also, or what you were kind of pointing at is we all start somewhere. So we all, everyone walks into the gym for the first time. Everyone walks in the gym for the first 10, 12, 15, 30 times. It's okay where you start at because what truly matters in these cases is that you're truly, you're showing up at the gym. Like you're showing up to do something for you and yourself and to make yourself better in some way, shape or form. That's huge. And don't let anyone take that away from you because I think that's something that a lot of people don't give as much credit to is they see someone come into the gym for the first time. They're instantly just like, they might scoff at them at first. Cause it's like, Oh, there's like a new person in the gym, like whatever. What they don't understand is like, do you know how much guts it takes to like truly just like walk into the gym for the first time as like a complete new beginner. That takes a lot of goddamn guts. So if you get up, you go to the gym and you walk in those doors, props to you. You did it. You literally got through the, like the biggest hurdle right there. And that is getting up and going to the gym and walking through those doors. So that's huge. Give yourself credit for that. Give yourself a pat on the back and just keep it rolling from there. Like that's, that's always one step at a time here. That first step is getting through those doors. The second step is find that first thing that you just want to play around with for the day. Yeah. Um, 
I think they also mentioned like, you know, maybe they'll start out lifting because they've gone to the gym a few times and they start out like, you know, just lifting some dumbbells. And then the second that they feel like anyone is looking at them, they'll go to the treadmill because it's, you know, safer, I guess, a safer option. Um, And obviously nothing wrong with getting your steps in, but if you're going to the gym, like if you're going to the gym, go there to lift some weights. Cause like, if you're at home, you can get steps in. If you have a, I think they have a treadmill and they can go for walks. Like, you know, so go to the gym. That's where the weights are. That's what you do when you go there. If you know, if you don't have weights at home, um, then go to the gym for the weights, you know? And, um, so yeah, like it really sucks though, when you do get looks like it's, it's really awkward. Um, but you know, just remember that I know this may, maybe this sounds kind of cocky, but the people who are looking at you now were like, you know, thinking like, oh, like what a beginner or like whatever they were once beginners too. And, or maybe they are already, they're projecting their shit onto you. So it's automatically invalid, you know, just focus on you as hard as it is, just focus on what you're doing and remember why you're doing it. And, um, you know, obviously not that it matters, but let's say you are very consistent and in a couple of years, those same people that maybe like underestimated you or whatever are going to be saying like, what is your exercise routine? What is your diet? Like, like, give me tips, like, you know, so just remember that, just remember that if that helps you, you know, to keep going, just have that in the back of your mind that, you know, all your doubters eventually are going to be like, like admiring you, but obviously then you don't want to like be their friends if they're nasty in the first place. But what I'm trying to say is like, everyone starts somewhere and you really don't know how far you can go until you start going. And then it just kind of like falls into place, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and backing up again, like to the main question about like, how do you kind of like motivate yourself? Like you will to like get up and like truly go to the gym. Like when you are, when you do have that brain fog, when you're just not feeling it, because like, again, like depression is a very real thing. It is a very, like, it's a medical, like it's a, it's a thing. Like guys, like don't discredit that. Um, and like how, like we both, like I've been there, Emily, you've been there. We both have experience in this area at least. So I know it can be tricky and it can be very hard to like really get up and just get moving. And that's kind of where it's going to come into, and this again, like this doesn't work for everyone, but you have to envision like what you want for yourself. Like you have to, un- so, okay, I don't want to wear this. You have to be committed to making the change and you have to be committed to seeing it through and understanding that like, it's going to be more painful in the long run to stay where you are versus forcing yourself to get up and get going now to make that change. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, I don't, I don't know, maybe almost think of it like you're trying to make your future self proud. Um, yes. or even, and your future self could just be you tomorrow. Because what you do today is going to have an impact on your tomorrow. So instead of saying like, okay, I'm going to start bettering myself tomorrow. Well, you can actually make tomorrow easier by getting that habit started today. So oh, yeah. like that or shifting the focus to your past self and become the person that yourself that your past self wanted to be become the person that yourself past your past self your past self looked up to that's something that like i kind of use as like that um 
I guess like daily reminder for myself is like becoming the person that like past Austin would have like looked up to. So that's something that like helped like especially like right in the beginning, that was something that was like a huge driver driver to me. And again, as I mentioned, it's something that I still use to this day. Yeah, I really resonate with that because like, I don't know, like if I think back to when I was in like a really dark place, like if only I had a friend who knew what I knew now to like show me what the heck to do to like get out of the, um, like the cycle that I was in. Um, And so I feel like by literally becoming that person, um, it just really strengthened my relationship with myself um, because it taught me that like, if I can do this, I can do anything. Like if I can literally get myself out of such a dark place, I can freaking lift the weight that's in front of me. Like that's, that's easy compared to like what I've already done. And so it's just about doing the hard thing, even though it's really hard, but understanding that like, it's, it's worth it. So. Oh, hundred percent. Like, and as you just said, they're like doing the hard thing. Like you have, like, you can't take the easy route here. You can't take the comfortable route because that's going to lead you into the same spot that you've been in. You have to truly like understand that it's going to be hard. It's going to be uncomfortable and it's not going to be easy. However, if you truly want to be better for yourself and your future self, you've got to put in the work for it. And like, you truly have to just, just give it your all. Go all in on yourself, guys. Yeah. Like, I guess, yeah, I mean, it's so much easier said than done because like things pop up, like, you know, maybe you have flashbacks from trauma, maybe you have a lot of digestive issues that come up. So it makes that consistent eating thing like really difficult. Um, Maybe, maybe your family or someone said something to you that was really hurtful and kind of mentally threw you into a really bad place um you know things like that like how do you stay the course when stuff like that is like that is like purposely trying to or at least it feels that way like throw you off course how do you like still stay the course when you know you're having urges to binge or maybe you actually did like overeat how do you then force yourself not to purge because that will actually like start the cycle of the binging and purging for me like if I overate, that would cause me to purge. And then I'd be really hungry, obviously. So then I'd start like binging and then I obviously purge and then it would be like this merry-go-round cycle. So like, how do you break the cycle? You know, like, yeah. well, I mean, I guess I can answer that. Cause like I broke the cycle, but I mean, we both like, did. yeah, we both did. And it's like, how do you like get out of that dark place? Like there's just so much to it, you know? So yeah, so I think in that case, it's going to be down to um, kind of going back to what we talked about in our habit episode. I can't remember what episode that was, but um, being conscious of it. Like, as you said, like, kind of playing out the situation in your head. Like, if I do this, it's going to lead to why. Your actions have consequences, whether good or bad. So you have to understand that, like, if you have those urges to do these different behaviors, they're gonna have the consequences of leading you right back into this vicious cycle that you're trying to hard get out of. So again, it's gonna be uncomfortable to not partake in that behavior and like kind of get that instant relief. It's gonna be fucking hard. However, going through that hard part of like resisting that urge is gonna be what helps break that cycle and breaks you out of that mold. Yeah. Yeah, I think there also comes like a little bit of like planning because I know for me, like 
to not binge, I had to make sure that I was like eating pretty regularly because if I got like way too hungry, um, and I mean, like, I'm not just talking about like, if I were to get hungry, like now, or like, you know what I mean? But I'm talking about like hungry to like that primal, you know, level where it's like that extreme. So you don't want to let yourself get anywhere near that point. So that just means eat regular meals. And, um, and they were saying that like, they can eat like a regular meal, but nothing fills them up. Like they basically have like extreme hunger. Like they call it like the black hole stomach. And like, I joke about it because I've dealt with that myself as well, where like you, you're just a bottomless pit. You can just keep eating and eating. And like, it seems like there's no like end to it. Um, I think that's, I experienced that in recovery. So yeah. um, I think, okay. So a little personal experience here. And I think it's something that a lot of people who do go through like an eating disorder recovery do experience is like that bottomless pit feeling and that they feel like they have to have like a lot of volume based food to fill them up. Cause that's where I was at for a long time. Um, how even like toward the beginning of last year and through like last year when I would be having like big old bowls of fucking food and like being a hundred grams of fiber a day it was because I was scared of eating anything less in volume and and like fear that it wouldn't fill me up so truly what it's saying is that your hunger and your hunger signaling hormones are jacked essentially like you don't have that feeling of satiation so you don't really know like when to stop um again that's kind of going into like a physiology and things but kind of helping to mitigate that is going to be kind of like in terms of like trusting yourself again like as you mentioned like planning ahead like how something that I did is I worked down from these higher volume meals into these more manageable like kind of smaller more condensed meals that were again like still were packed with like nutrients and like food that I needed however like it went from like a big volume to a smaller more again like manageable size now however with that in the beginning I almost had like an exit strategy to it where if that what if that didn't fill me up and I like again like I had these urges I would instantly have something else again like a lot of fruit or a lot of veggies with a bit more volume to it to kind of kind of there we go and I want to say mitigate that effect but kind of like give that sense of like that false sense of security because again like you're not overeating but you do have that volume again to where you can kind of, not as much volume but you do have a little bit more volume there to kind of where you can I don't want to say like level it out but it's again like something that you're more used to I guess does that make sense because yeah, I feel yeah. like I just kind of like threw words out there Um, I guess like, okay, so I'm just going to blanket statement that when working away from like these larger volumes of meals, because you feel like you have this bottomless black hole, you kind of have to like work your way down to you like a smaller meal size, more condensed meal size. However, with that, always be kind of like prepared to have like, like some fruit afterwards or like a veggies afterwards, just in case, in case like something doesn't feel right. And you have like this over overwhelming urge if you will again like that's not something that we always want to use as like this band-aid because like oh well even if this doesn't fill me up I can always eat this afterwards like no it's a very temporary thing but it can help kind of with that initial switch in mindset if you will because as well as like during this whole process like the main goal should be truly like trying to level out those hunger hormones um you're left in the ground because that's what's going to help like feed it not help feed into, but kind of help manage those hunger levels again. Um, it's going to help give you feelings of satiety, as well as like those hunger feelings. So 
it does take some time to get those kicks started again, especially after being in like extreme deficits or extreme surpluses. Um, so the main thing there is just going to be patience and consistency and persistence. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big one. Um, I think their thing is not so much filling up on like large volumes of like veggies, but like things like eating an entire box of pasta or things like that. Um, so I just want to throw in like an example real quick. That's like sort of personal, but not so like my dad, he used to do the exact same thing. He would eat entire, an entire box of pasta all to himself. I used to do that, but like in, with, in my eat, back in my eating disorder. Um, but yeah, my dad used to do that as well. Um, and so he, um, this was several years ago. He was, his doctor told him that he was like pre-diabetic. And um, she said, you don't need to eliminate carbs, but you know, you do need to reduce your total, you know, amount of calories um, which by default will lower your carbs a bit, but she said, you know, you don't need to count calories or anything like that. She said, just, um, be more mindful of your portion sizes, um, of like things like, you know, just don't eat a whole box of pasta, just eat a more normal portion and then mix it, mix in veggies and a protein source. I thought that was great advice. Um, and so great advice actually, oh yeah, my God, I know. Right. Like that's literally what I would do too. Um, but yeah, oh, so, good doctor. Yeah. So my dad, he was, he's, he's like only five foot seven, but, or no, sorry, five foot nine. And he was around like 195 when he was around 195, when he was told that he had pre-diabetes. So for him, that was overweight. And then I think over the course of, and I'm saying like several years, I think he got down to like the mid mid one sixties, which he's around now and he's like maintained it for a while. And, um, you know, I mean, he's not like super muscular or anything, but, um, for him, that's like really healthy. Um, and he's been, you know, his health markers have improved a lot. And so I said, like, how did you do it? And he said, well, instead of eating mountains, I just ate smaller mountains. He still eats like the big ass bowls of pasta that are like huge. They're just not as big as they used to be. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is like, you don't need to like overhaul everything you're doing and like do a completely change everything. It's just about making like little changes here and there. And just remember it adds up over time. Okay. So two things I want to say here and one kind of ties into the portion size one. We'll both do actually. One is going back to what I mentioned earlier in the episode about how um, kind of like use that like original, like my plate, like idea ideology of like, I should have like a portion of this, a portion of this, a portion of this, have like a well-rounded like meal and a fulfilling meal for myself. Same thing here. You want to look at your, like your overall portion sizes. And I think that's one of the single best things at first is just being more mindful of how much of one thing you're eating. So like in this case, instead of having like the whole box of pasta, how we cut that in half? Let's do half a box of pasta instead. And like, let's have a few more veggies in there. Um, again, like you're gonna cut down the overall volume, but we're not eliminating it completely or like completely knocking it down to like one sixth of a box or like one eighth of the box, which is like a technical serving size, like cutting in half. So it's a, it's a step, it's a baby step. Um, now with that, again, like commonly you said, like your dad went from eating like out of a big possible, like these mounds to little mounds, change what size plates, but oh, yeah, it's not still like a solid size mound. Yeah. But in this case, like change what you're eating out of. So instead of eating out of like a large bowl that you can just pile shit into, get a smaller bowl, get like a very, like a smaller bowl. So you can fill that up. So like looking at it, it looks like a lot of food. 
However, compared to like the original bowl, it would be a more manageable size. It's this is more of like a mind trick than anything else, and it's more of a, a psychological aspect of your body's going to be like, oh, like this bowl is like overfilling, like overflowing. That's a lot of food, so it's going to kind of help. I don't want to say like replace. It kind of like replaces like that original um, volume, I guess. So one thing here, and again, like going back to how I used to eat like a large volume of food a lot, again, like all that, I used to eat out of like a big ass serving bowl. Yes, like trying to fit everything into a serving bowl. And I felt like I had to fill that bowl up every time I ate. I haven't used that bowl in like months now, because again, I started using a more, you know, a serving bowl, like an actual like individual portion bowl for food. And yeah, I fill that up sometimes just because like how much food I eat. However, it's nowhere near that original amount of the overflowing serving bowl. Again, it still looks like a lot of food compared to like a smaller bowl. However, portion-wise, it's a lot more manageable and compacted. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. So again, like, last thing, sorry. That also goes with utensils. Oh, yeah. Go from using like the big utensils, like the adult size utensils or whatever the fuck. Use smaller utensils. Like use a smaller spoon or smaller fork and take smaller bites. Again, it's going to like... If you take 30 bites of something versus like 10 bite, 10 large bites of something, that 30 bites are going to feel like it stretches a lot longer. If you, if that, yeah. again, like if that makes sense. Yeah. To your food. That is so important. Like, too. I mean, that's something that I completely forgot about when I struggled with bulimia. I did not chew my food. Like I would just eat, like maybe chew it like twice and swallow um and for like a while in recovery that was something I had to like not like train myself to like freaking chew my food and just like not like just inhale it like that's a really bad habit especially when you're trying to actually like digest the food like yeah make sure that you chew it like that will help you out (laughs) so one thing with that is being more mindful as you eat so instead of like again like just eating and just like two bites in it's down two bites in it's down just constantly having that fork going Take a few bites, chew your food, put that fork down. Just chill for a second. Like talk with someone like, like in this case, like get on your phone for a little bit, like in between bites and just kind of like do something on there to kind of like not distract yourself, but kind of slow down that overall intake. So again, like you're not rushing through your meals and you're just like, well, I'm so hungry. But yeah, because you didn't chew anything and then you just rush through it. Be more mindful, take smaller bites. and Just again, kind of have that meal last a bit longer. Like don't rush yourself through your meal. Be mindful of what you're eating. Enjoy what you're eating and chew your food, as Emily said. Yeah, I find it also helps take to take like five really deep breaths before you start eating yep. to get yourself Absolutely. into that parasympathetic, um, you know, rest and digest state. Like don't go into your meal after like you just had a fight or you were finished crying or something. Um, you know, just wait a little bit, let yourself calm down five big deep breaths and then you know start eating I don't know I find for me that really helps no absolutely that's what um my post-workout meal every day after I train like yeah I eat my post-workout meal like an hour hour and a half after I train however before I sit before I sit down with that meal I take five to six deep breaths like just in through my nose out through my mouth and then before I eat again it's just bringing you down out of that very like again, fight or flight state to the point where you can truly just digest and like be in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really important. Um, also, uh, I know something that they struggle with is like food guilt, like feeling guilty for eating at all in the first place. Um, because I would say 
because they almost feel like they told me that like when they eat, it almost feels like they were violated because I'm going to guess it has to do with like their history of trauma and then also being like shamed for their body and like told, I don't know, things like, like calm down with the food and things like that. And then obviously just how they feel about themselves and being self-conscious in general. I think it's a combination of that, if I had to guess. So yeah, like how do you deal with that? Because when you're dealing with that, you know, you also want to make sure that you're getting in your pre-workout meal before the gym. But if you're self-conscious um, about being shamed, I don't know, like if it were me, I might have a hard time eating that pre-workout meal and then getting myself to go to the gym because I don't know, maybe I just like be self-conscious or something. And I'm talking about like back when I struggled, you know what I mean? So like, how do you yeah. do what you got to so do? Anyway? In this case, as you described, this is the point where I wouldn't really be focused too much on your nutrient timing around like your workout. So like your pre-workout, your post-workout, is it important to have food around your workout? So again, like you're not going like hypoglycemic in that case, or like, again, like you have some en- like energy and some nutrients in you. And then again, like afterwards, like that isn't, those are important. However, I don't think in this case, like that should be our main focus. Um, instead, like, yes, have something before the gym, but it doesn't have to be like this big, like pre-workout meal, like have something small. Have something that's going to like get you through this workout without like feeling faint or like dizzy at all because like again you haven't had any food in yet. Um, so that's just like something I would do there. One thing here, like the overarching thing, is like you deserve food. You need food. Your body needs food. Um, food is like a non-negotiable in our life, and it's something that you shouldn't. I know this is like easier said than done, but you shouldn't ever feel guilty about eating. I know I've been there. Like, I know, like, we've had experiences where, like, we've been there to the point where, like, eating food, like, made us feel guilty. And I, that's a very real experience. Again, like, I'm not discrediting that. But understand that, like, you need food. Those around you, it, and again, like, as Emily describes, like, it may not sound like it, but they, you need food to be there for them. For, like, they want you to be okay. In the end, like, that's the overarching thing here that sounds like is just for you to be okay overall. And to be okay and to like to get to a better state, you're gonna need to f- fuel your body ac- adequately and efficiently and effectively. With this also, I found um, just again through my own personal experience that like once I started fueling myself in a more optimal way for me and eating like an actual like adequate amount for myself, that's when a lot of my old like past symptoms and like X, Y, and Z, that's when they truly start to subside. And that's truly because like my body was in a better place to actually function at a better clip than before when it was in like, almost like, I'm not, I almost like a starvation mode, but in a very depleted state. Um, again, like in those depleted states, like your body is going to start like kind of like downregulating and kind of like shutting off different systems that, especially in your, like your brain, like your brain is going to start truly like focusing on like the true necessities here and not really have a lot of like function toward anything else. The minute you're able to truly start fueling yourself better, and again, like you have a lot more energy to work with, I promise you that's going to be where you're going to see the biggest shift in just your overall mindset and well-being. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Um, And like also going back to what you said before about, you know, food guilt and in general, just that whole thing, like just remember that food is not something that you have to earn or that you deserve. Like it is needed. That's it. Period. You, don't you woke up to today. Cool. You need food. 
Yeah. You got to run a better day. Cool. That, that requires food. Exactly. That, that if, if you want to say that you have, like, again, you don't have to, you don't have to earn food, but if like you are in that mindset, you got out of bed today. Cool. You need to eat. You that's, earned it by waking up. Like you earned it by just simply waking up. Do you have a body there? You earned it. Like it's, you know, I get it though. It's hard because like when you have that guilt, because you're so used to it. Um, but yeah, like it really does get better once you start actually treating your body better. Um, but I will say it doesn't get better right away because like, it's, it's not going to get better in a week. It's not going to, it takes some time and you have to stick with it, even though it's uncomfortable. Um, but it it really does get better. So even if I get back into, sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, even if it doesn't get better right away, um, that doesn't mean that it won't, you just have to be patient and be persistent and consistent. Just keep going. So, yes. And again, like tying it back into like that, like going to the gym in this case, it's going to get harder before it gets easier. It's going to get worse before it gets better. It's like, especially when it comes to like that food mindset, like it truly is going to get better, like worse before it gets better. And it's just truly like that mental battle that you just got to like fucking put your head down and just go right through. Like keep putting one foot in front of the other and just keep trudging through. And I promise you, like if you put in the work for it, it will get easier. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, I mean, and again, like it really does get easier, but just, just understand it is it takes hard, some hard work. Like I used to cry on my way to the gym and I'd have to like wipe the tears off my face before actually going in the gym. Um, and then when I drive home, um, I I'd be like really sad because I'd be like, wow, like for once I finally felt so alive, like I was doing something so good for myself, but then I have to drive home and feel like I'm in this toxic environment. So how do you like come, how do you like switch gears if you are in an environment that is toxic for you? You know, like how do you lift yourself up only to know that you're coming home to a toxic place or at least what feels toxic or literally is, you know? Okay, so in something, in a case like that, what I am going to say is going to be make the most, make the best of a bad situation. So again, like, I don't know this individual, um, again, like kind of like as a pre, like kind of like a back, like, I guess like a back end thing here is like. Emily kind of like has all the information here and I'm kind of getting it as you guys are. So it's kind of like, yeah. like a Q&A, like, I don't know how to describe that, but like, I'm kind of going off what Emily's telling here. Maybe um, we could have my friend come on our podcast at some point, like as a guest. Cool. That would actually be really cool. Yo, get our first guest. That'd be dope. Anyway, um, sorry. So with that information you just gave Emily, um, with like what I've, we've been talking about so far, in a case like that, when it comes to like a toxic home environment is going to be, again, like making the best of a good, like a bad situation. So whether that is like in your room per se, like making that like you're kind of like your space and like that true like comfort place for you that feels like that home vibe, again, like make it your place. Um, so like in that environment, like you do still have that space to go back to. Um, that's how I would kind of tackle that situation. Because again, like as unfortunate as it is, we can't control other people and that the, and those around us, like those people and individuals are truly just going to act how they want to be and are going to say what they want to say. And again, like as unfortunate as that is, we have to do what we can to be the best for ourselves in a situation and almost 
I don't want to say separate ourselves from what they say, but allow what they say to just slide right over your, like, just slide right off your back. Like, you have to understand, like, if these individuals are trying to bring you down, as it sounds like, you have to understand that, like, that's not a judge of who you are. And it's not a judge of your character, your person, or where you're at at all. That's truly just these individuals, like, reflecting their own insecurities and their own maybe even misconceptions about themselves onto you. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I completely agree. Um, and I guess sometimes it's like, you just have to set that mental boundary of like, I, I'm not gonna, I don't know, I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna let this affect me because I mean, if you're human, it does affect you, but you just have to like set that boundary and say like, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. I know it's right for me. People can say what they say, and I'm going to really try to just not let it change what I'm trying to do for myself, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then also like, how do you do this with like literally no one in your life supporting you? Um, like, I guess what I would say is to just, even if you have really, really minimal resources, take advantage of them. Like you have the internet, make friends with people online who are not still, try to, try to connect with people who are not where you are currently, who you can look up to as like, you know, guidance for where you're trying to go. Um, like try not to make friends with people who are still like wallowing in the the misery you know what I mean of being sick and having an eating disorder like for me at least it really helped me to connect with people who either never even struggled with an eating disorder or had overcome it and like obviously actually did overcome it and like it they were living better lives and it just showed me that like it is possible to turn your life around um and it you just have to surround yourself again even if it's only online with people who are uplifting and who really push you to be who you truly are meant to be which is like healthy happy functioning strong and going after your goals you know yes so to tie into that um kind of like also like kind of bounce off of that is going to be connecting with people who are going to hold you to a higher standard connecting with those individuals who want the best for you or just like people who are truly just gonna lift you up and that you can just reach out for, for advice and just people you can just like connect with. Again, like you don't wanna be connecting with people who are just gonna drag you down or people who have like those negative mindsets because again, like that's not gonna be very beneficial toward you making progress to what you wanna be. You wanna be connecting with people who are very like supportive and very uplifting, I guess. Which again, yeah. like that does take some trial and error because like people post up all the time, but then you talk to them in person, you're just like, what the, where, where the fuck did this come from? So yeah, it, does, it can take some trial and error, I promise you, but like find the real people online, like find the real good people and connect there. Like start with conversations, just start with like reacting like stories and shit or like interacting on posts. And I promise you, like you'll find your, you'll find your people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, okay, so this is just something that I personally used to do that I really needed 
to stop doing. And once I did, I feel like I got better. Not like just like something in my head got better, like an aspect of me started to heal more. Um, but I used to go on YouTube and put in like certain keywords. Like I'd basically try to search for videos that I could relate to, but relate to from where I was when I was in my disorder. And I'd try to connect with people who were also in a really dark place. So I could literally just not feel so alone. So I would, you know, search, I don't know, eating disorders, bulimia, stuff like that, because I wanted to know that I wasn't alone. Now, um, yeah, okay, like there's a time and a place for that, but like, don't, like, don't waste your time. Like, stop doing that. Like, that's not gonna heal you. You're not gonna get better doing that because it's reinforcing that it's okay to stay stuck. And you're associating with people who are not where you're trying to go in life. Um, you know, like, sure, like maybe you can't relate to people who are fully recovered, but you got to start surrounding yourself with non-eating disordered things yeah. and people just get that environment out of your life to the best of your abilities, because the more you surround yourself with it, the more you're going to be thinking about it and you just, just get it out of your life. It will make recovery a lot easier. Okay. So one thing I'm going to say here, and this might come across as harsh. And if it does, I apologize because that's not my intentions here, but you need to stop associating yourself with it. Like, like the minute you stop associating yourself with that culture, you separate yourself from it just a little bit more. And once you're able to make that separation between yourself and that culture, you're going to have a bit more wiggle room here. Because if you're only identifying yourself with like an eating disorder culture and like that whole illness in itself, it's always going to be part of you, no matter what you do, if you're still identifying with it. The minute you stop identifying with it and constantly looking for others in that space to almost like reassure you about it, the harder and harder it is going to be to truly separate yourself from that. Yeah, absolutely. That like, for me that like, I mean, even without that stuff, like that was my identity, like to myself, like just the way that I thought about myself, like I was just like, I don't know who I am, but I am a human garbage disposal. And that's about it. Like, I know that sounds really dark, but hey, that's the reality. Um, That was the reality for me. And like, to move on from that, I just had to like, get those things out of my life and just focus on myself, focus on getting better. And it really helped me, honestly. So. And again, like the minute you stop associating, like, okay. So when I say stop associating yourself with it, it's not to say that like, it's not discrediting that like that is a part of you at the moment or that is like not a part of your past. Cause it very much is a real part of you and like what made you you. However, what I am saying there is like online stop always looking for those hashtags. Stop always looking for like those individuals who have those posts about it. Because again, like that's just dragging you deeper and deeper into that culture that you're so hard trying to get away from. Yeah. So totally. I guess like when I say like stop associating with it is stop making it a part of like your daily consumption of media, if you, if, if you will. Like when I say like find your place online and find their people online, like find like people with like the same interests as you. Like, whether that's in, like, music, within, like, art, within, like, sports, within, like, lifting at the gym and everything. Like, find that group of people and find that culture of people that, like, you resonate with. Again, like, these people aren't going to be, like, have that, like, some of these people aren't going to have that same background as you, but you share that same interest. And I think that's going to be a very beneficial part of, like, again, like, separating yourself from, like, that mindset of, like, identifying with it, if you will. Yeah, yeah, that's a big deal. 
so um I mean I know for me like when I um I don't know like I I used to so there's kind of like two different groups of people like some people think that full recovery is possible some people think that you can never achieve full recovery you're always because you're like genetically predisposed and you have that like tendencies you can never truly kick it 100% or maybe like you don't have behaviors but you still have thoughts sometimes I don't know I'm of the belief that you can fully recover and truly kick it all the way um you just have to I'll I'll second that y'all yeah I mean you just have like there are we are people who fully kicked this thing and you can truly do it you just have to like believe that you can if you don't think that you can then you might not so you just have to full effort, go for it, because that's the only way you have to believe in yourself. I'm going to say one more thing here. And I think, again, like, I don't mean to come across as abrasive or harsh, but you truly, like, you have to be the one to do it. You have to be the one to put in the work to become better and to dig yourself out of this hole, because there's nothing anyone else can do. There's nothing anyone else can say that's going to do it for you. For the long time when I was younger, I was waiting for someone to say the magic words, give me the magic pill to fix it all. That's bullshit. You have to be the one to do the work to truly like do that mental like digging and like that mental like fight those mental battles to overcome it and get yourself to a better place. It's not easy. It's no one ever said it was going to be easy. And anyone who says it's easy is lying. It's going to be hard, but only you can do it. So you just, you really just got to like put your head down and just keep moving forward with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think that's harsh or abrasive. It's just true. You know, like no yeah. one can do the work for you. I mean, you can have people supporting you, like, you know, if you can connect with people oh, yeah. online, but they're not going to be the ones making sure that you're eating your food, keeping it down, going to the gym, you know, um, bettering yourself. You have to hold yourself accountable. Yeah. Like I say this because this is something I wish someone was telling like 15 year old Dawson is you have to be the one to do it. You have to do it for you and those around you. Even Like do it for those that you love. Show up for yourself, put in the work to be better and just constantly work toward being better than who you were yesterday. Yeah. Baby steps, just, um, you know, one foot in front of the other, just keep going. So, Yeah. I think that's everything for this one. So um, yeah, um, if you liked our podcast, make sure to um, screenshot it and share it in your stories and tag us because we love when you guys listen to our podcast and you know get something out of it. So let us know what you think. And yeah, um, do you have anything else you want to say? Thank you, Emily, for bringing the questions and bringing the info and kind of like I don't want to say like a like a live Q and A, but I felt like it was almost like an inter, like interview style questions to me because like again like I knew very minimal information going into this on this one like I knew the basis of the questions, but Emily gave me like all the background, all the details, everything. At the same time, you guys were hearing it, so I thought it was a cool style for one. So again, thank you, Emily, and thanks for our friend who sent in the questions or Emily's friend who sent in the questions. Yeah, yeah, thank oh, you. That's one more thing that I'm going to preface this with. We are not licensed therapists. We are not licensed doctors or medical professionals. We are health and fitness coaches who just want to see you guys be better and be the best version of yourselves. 
in a situation like this, like eating disorders are a very serious and very dangerous medical and mental condition that requires medical treatment and care. So if you, you or you feel a loved one is in danger or is showing symptoms of one, please reach out to your medical professionals and get medical help. Um, yeah, again, like anything you heard here today, again, it's just our own experiences, our own experiences, like through different um, parts of eating disorders and like treatment X, Y, and Z, but it should not be taken as like a medical standard. Again, like reach out to medical professionals if you do feel like you are at risk for one or if someone you love is at risk for one and get medical help. Take everything here and apply it as you can, but truly like reach out. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's important to remember, like, just because we've dealt with eating disorders doesn't mean that we are licensed professionals, you know, we're not therapists, (laughs) you know, like, basically, like, we just know what we've gone through. So we have a lot of personal insight. So we're just sharing that here kind of informally, but we're not giving, you know, medical advice or anything like that. So, yeah, yeah. So that's it for today. And, um, hopefully we will do another podcast soon and yeah Yeah, cool see y'all next time